All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Dan Johnson. Yes, the Dan Johnson from Nine Finger Chronicles, from Sportsman's Empire, from Full Snake Gear. You probably know him from all sorts of different things. But we're going to be talking about a potential 2024 Alaska trip. Now, you're going to find out what his bucket list is up there. But if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that my number one bucket list animal is an Alaskan moose. And I'm really excited about this podcast. I've been doing a ton of research, and this conversation gets really good. So let's jump into the episode with Dan. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and joining me on the show is the one and only Dan Johnson. Dan, how's it going, man? I love I love when people say that, the one and only, like I'm <laughs> important. <laughs> like I, I get a kick out of that just because I did it. If people saw my real life, they would be like unimpressed <laughs> with, like, number one, yes, I do hunt, and yes, my passion is hunting, but all I am is all I am is a chauffeur for my kids to their activities. I know that how, feeling. I, I clean the house, you know. I, I do the laundry and all that stuff too. And and uh, I'm I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'd say, but like I'm a housewife for the most part. <laughs> Dude, me and you are living similar lives. I drop the kids off at school every morning, pick them up. Yep. I mean, my wife helps with a lot of stuff, but like I'm I'm helping pack their lunches. I do the laundry. I do the dishes. Yep. Uh, she yep. just bought a robot vacuum, so I no longer have to sweep and mop. She th- <laughs> she's like, how do you feel about me getting a really good vacuum? And I was like, I've been wanting a good one for a long time. You always buy the cheap yeah. ones, and they break, and they smell bad. And she went online and bought – it's like a Roomba, but it self-empties, self-fills. It mops. It dusts. It does mm-hmm. everything. And yeah. so at least that's one thing taken off my plate now. Yeah, we had uh we had a Roomba type machine similar to that, but <laughs> and it, it worked for a while until the like the kids leave so much shit on the floor <laughs> that it everything would get jammed up in it and we'd find it in a corner, like basically suffocating every every day and so now it sits in our kitchen but we never turn it on yeah dude that's funny i i keep telling the kids like pick up your stuff my son Uh loves legos and i'm like if that thing sucks it up we're never gonna know and Mm -hmm. then you're not gonna be able to complete this set or that set and every day all their stuff is still left out so yeah i i give my kids like a 30 minute rule i go and i say hey listen I'm going to vacuum your rooms in about 30 minutes. Whatever is on the floor in there is getting sucked into this vacuum and it's going to get dumped in the trash. So go clean your rooms. Sometimes they listen to me. Some Sometimes I have a vacuum full of Legos and Paw Patrol toys and, and sh- stuff like that. So everyone thinks you and I are like these super bad hunters that like oh we're just men we're splitting firewood yeah. every day in reality <laughs> we're we're soccer moms exactly exactly and hey 
Um, so I texted you before we recorded today, and I I asked if this and this this kind of goes of what we were talking about, and I asked if I could ask you a question, and you said okay. Yeah. And so here's my here's my question. This is something that I feel that every man who is a hunter struggles with uh, every every year, and from the outside looking in on you and your wife's social media accounts, we see we see a certain type of dynamic, okay? And I want to know if if it's a if it's a real life dynamic or are there struggles with you and your wife's uh, marriage or relationship when it comes to going on these hunting trips, whether it's like for a couple days or whether it's like for a week or a week and a half, like what kind of struggles do you and Sam deal with on an annual basis when it comes to your hunting schedule? So for the most part, she's very supportive. Like, Hey, if you've got a trip that you really want to do, go ahead and do it. Um, if you want to go out this weekend, go ahead. And it, it kind of ends up being up to me seeing when she's overwhelmed or if she has too much on her plate, whether or not I even bring it up. It might be the type of thing where I'm like, you know, she's having a rough week, especially right now with pregnancy. This last right. season, I think I hunted less than I have in the 10 years of marriage. And yeah. a lot of it had to do with nausea, morning sickness, just being fatigued all the time, uh, going to appointments. But on the flip side, she has a ton of stuff that she likes to do. She loves going to Florida. We go to Florida four to six times a year, and that's, like, her idea of vacation. So she knows, like, spring and summer, we're spending it doing trips to Florida, visiting family, doing all of those things. And then when it comes to the fall, she's pretty open to me going. But we've, we have to communicate about it all the time. Like, if it's yeah. <laughs> the number one point of contention is when I don't put it on the calendar. Because I don't use calendars very often. I'm like, yeah. I just typically remember or I have an alert on my phone and she's like wait you're going this weekend you didn't put it on the calendar I thought we were going to go do this I had this planned and I was like mm -hmm. oh sorry it's hunting season I just assumed don't plan anything during hunting season you know yeah so there's definitely some give and take there and there are times where it becomes an issue where it's just like you're going again back-to-back -back trips are the biggest issue I, I would say like yeah I usually have Elk hunting, end of October, beginning of November. I come back from that, and then it's like full-on rut here in Missouri. Right after that, we go to Wisconsin for whitetail season. And so those yeah. get to be a lot for her. But typically, if it's a standalone event or a standalone trip away from everything else, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And that's the thing that I really struggle with, especially when I go out on out-of-state hunts, is, man, we all know. Whether it's mule deer or whether it's uh, whitetails, you know, elk is different. You know, the ruts in September, but like everything is is all packed down into this. Really, it's like a two month time frame. Yeah, from from late September to early November, right? The last two weeks of September, especially if you're going on an elk hunt, yeah, to the the Midwest rut depending on where you're at. You know, if you're in the South, it's different. And so it becomes like, I have, I have goals for myself 
And it becomes really hard to try to pack in multiple hunts for in that really what it is, it's in eight weeks. Yeah. And 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 I'm trying to pack four weeks of hunts into eight weeks. And then I I dude, my wife, she is not the type of woman who suffers in silence. So she will voice her opinion of how yep. frustrated just that she is <laughs> when it comes to me. Oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah. I hope you had fun today. Uh, here's what I did today. Uh, the boys <laughs> fought all day. And then the, you know, Ava and Mac, they were fighting and I had to go do this and this and this. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm just like tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Learn man, to deal with it. I get that. Like my wife is very much the same. If there's an issue, yeah. she tells me about it. And, and usually it is those times like the kids, if I can, if I can alleviate any pressure from her life, it's with the kids. And so if I'm gone, I talk to my wife's mom, my mother-in-law and just say, Hey, are there any days you could help out that you could just take the kids overnight? And she does a really good, like right now she takes them every weekend for one night. They go stay the night at her house. We have our date night. We get to hang out, do the things that we want. Um, but on those big trips, I'm actually running into this. The big topic of conversation today is going to be Alaska. And, uh, I, I talked to my buddy about it the other day. I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing a trip like this with me? He said, my wife's in nursing school. I'm going to have to talk to her. And Mm -hmm. he came back and he said, dude, I'm at like 75% of being able to go right now. He said, All she's requiring is that I plan out childcare for the kids while she's in school and I'm gone. And I'm yeah. like, that's a really big deal for, for women, especially, you know, yeah. they just want to know that they're not going to have that burden of taking care of the kids. And I don't, I hate calling it a burden, but it can be when you're flying solo. And yeah. my wife is like, once I get in the rut, like the first few days are tough. And then I get into a rhythm with the kids where they've got their set times to do different things. Maybe they can be on their iPad at this time. They're doing homework or, or coloring or crafts or whatever. She's like, once I hit that rhythm, like two to three days in, it seems pretty yeah. smooth sailing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's always a struggle. And uh, I, I know there's tons of guys out there right now who can relate to this conversation that we're having and, and they don't even hunt for, you know, they're just trying to get away with one week out yeah. of an entire year, right? Or, or a handful of weekends. And so, I don't know. It's definitely something that I've been struggling with lately. And and uh, I'm sure we'll get into more of the details here on the on the conversation. Because your buddy says he's 75% in. But I feel like that 25% is weighted really, really heavy. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, and I... Sam and I have never been the people to keep score, right? It's not, she doesn't ever say, oh, you got to do this this weekend. So now I'm going to do this a different weekend. It's never been that way um, in our marriage. And I do know couples that are like that. Oh, yeah. you had, you had the day off. Now it's my turn to have a day off. In fact, I worked with a guy who got back from a work trip. As soon as he walked through the door, his wife was on the way out of the door and she goes, it's your turn and left. Oh yeah. That. That shit happens to me too. Like yeah. I need to get away from these kids. And then she goes and has co- coffee with her friends or some shit like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely relatable. Um, 
I don't know, man. It again, it's something that we all we all struggle with every year. Yeah, and that that was really the basis of all of our social media, you know, not being able to post yeah. dead animals on TikTok or guns or shooting or anything like that. I was like, what is something that every hunter relates to? And it's not just hunters. Yeah. It's guys who love golf or video games or uh, a pickup basketball league or anything like that. You know, every yeah. guy can relate on a different level to it. So, yeah, but I, I think hunters have it a little different because I don't know about you, but I don't do a lot of fishing. I, I will go one weekend a year to turkey hunt. I don't pheasant hunt. I don't do ducks. You know, I'm all in on big bow hunting, big game. Yeah. Right. And so like, we, like I said, that falls in a two month period, but for the rest of the year, I'm, I'm in this room, I'm in this house. Maybe we'll go on a family vacation or do, you know, do something like that, but I'm not doing anything else. I don't go to bars. I don't, I don't play basketball pickup games. I don't, I'm not in any other hobbies other than coaching, like coaching my kids. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm all in on family until it's time to hunt. And so I think what happens is, and I, I don't want to speak for the ladies or the wives out there, but I think what happens is, is they have short-term memory. And they don't, they don't give a shit about the 10 months of the year. Yeah. All they care about is the two months out of the year where you're, where you're gone for, you know, a week at a time. When I go to South Dakota, I, I usually give myself a day of driving, six days of hunting, and then another day of driving, which comes out to eight, to eight days roughly. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, and then what happens? I come back this year. I, I went to South Dakota late in the year and then I came home for three days and then I went uh basically hunting for five days came back for two days and then went hunting until I killed my deer which was another three another three days and so in that in that time frame it was it it just seemed like everything was thrown on her lap and then they have the short-term memory and they're just like well like I, you have to remind them it's like Hey, what else did I do this year? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Nothing. That's nothing. I didn't do anything this year. And so I I feel like, especially when it's seasonal, I mean, man, a golfer, they can golf from March in the Midwest anyway. They can golf from March if it's warm, if it's a warm spring, all the way to September, October. If it's a warm, they can even go into November. Yeah. Right. So they have all this time to go do fishing. Same thing. You can go fish all year round if you want to. You can't, you can't hunt deer all year round. No. Yeah. The big game hunters have it different. And I mean, uh, waterfowl is a pretty seasonal thing, but, yeah. but as a whole, you're right. Having all of our activities crammed into one short time mm -hmm. is, is definitely the challenge. You know, if it was, mm -hmm. man, I could go out any week of the year and chase a hard horn buck. That'd yeah. be totally different. It, it, totally different. Totally different. Yep. So we, I mean, we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago now about our schedule, what the fall is going to look like for me, what hunting trips that I've got going on. And when we were talking about that, I was like, how many, how many big trips can I do? And she's yeah. like, you know, you can do four big trips, like four week long trips. And I'm like, okay. 
And so then I started going through my mind, like, what big trips do I have going on? And I was like, you know, I probably won't go to Wisconsin and turkey hunt then. And she's like, well, how long would that be for? I'm like, four days. And she's like, oh, those don't count. And I was like, wait, what? Hold on. You do know this is all being recorded, right? So I can do a <laughs> bunch of four-day four trips, but just week-long plus. And so in talking about that, I started kind of thinking about Alaska, and then it died off in my mind. And right around that time, you text me and said, hey, man, are you like, what are your plans for this fall? And we got on a call. I started mentioning Alaska. And after talking to you, I just dove in to all the mm -hmm. research, trying to figure out what a trip would cost, how many days I would have to be gone, like leaving home to getting back home, not just mm -hmm. days hunting. And I found it is pretty reasonable as far as a big game in Alaska, and it could be moose, caribou, yeah. bear, deer, elk, you name it. But in looking at some numbers, I sent you a couple of them, but mm -hmm. I couldn't believe what I could be on the ground in Alaska with two tags in my pocket for. And so we're going to break a lot of that stuff down in our talk today. And yeah. uh, there have been some other, <laughs> some other developments as far as the final piece, which is the transportation to the backcountry. From yeah. everything I've researched up until now, that is the most expensive part of the entire trip. More than the tags, yeah. more than the flights up there, more than all of it. So yeah. what? where are you at? Because I know you mentioned like this is a trip that you would want to do sometime in the next few years. Is it yeah, something so, that you're thinking about this year? I don't know, man. It's it's something I always think about. I got I to gotta set the stage here, Okay. And so even before I was, I would consider myself a hunter every Sunday night, my dad, myself and my brother, we'd all sit in the living room and we would watch national geographics. All right. And so for those people who don't know what national geographics is, it's basically a wildlife show that explores the wildlife from all over the, the world. Okay. And so, and so my favorite episodes were always Alaska. Yeah. And, uh, that and sharks eating seals. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, so, uh, moose, caribou, muskox, you know, um, wolves, all the dull sheep, all of the animals that are in, that are in Alaska, bear, right? All these things, they just really caught caught my attention and then so as that side of me kind of grew up and then i came into hunting i still had this this excitement for alaska and and my favorite animal of all it's on my where's it at it's on oh here it is it is on my bucket list of animals to kill or hunt caribou is at the top of that like I would love like one A is caribou, one B is moose. Yep. Those two animals, if I if I could connect on one of those animals before I die, oh my lord, I'd be I'd be very happy. Okay. And so I I've since I've started this hunting journey, I guess you could say, and doing what I'm doing with the podcasts and all that stuff. Every year I think about it. Every year I think about it. And so here's here's my dilemma. Okay. 
When I go to South Dakota, I buy the tag. I sleep in my truck. Yeah. All right. I pack food from the store or have some of those freeze dried meals. And I can get away with an eight day trip when I go to South Dakota or even when I would go elk hunting in Colorado. You're sleeping in your truck. You're sleeping in a tent. You're not spending money on hotels or going out to eat. It's literally everything you bring with you. And so that's cheap. Yeah. Right. When I, when I went to Nebraska, sleeping in my truck, cheap. Right. And if, if I needed to, I'd go and hop in a hotel, like a $50 hotel room a night. And so then when, and, and this is where the wife comes into play. We went to Florida and we went to a really fancy resort in Florida and we spent a ton of money. Or when we go on our family trips, we spend three times the amount on, on one single trip than I do my entire hunting season. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I can get away with going to Nebraska, getting a tag, and I can do it for well under $1,000 yeah. for, for these hunts. Right. And then we go on these family trips or let's say, for example, man, me and my wife, we one year I took her to Napa Valley, California, and I've taken her to uh, Palisades, Colorado. And we did things that she likes to do, wine tasting and stuff. And that's that's like four years in one trip. That's four years worth of hunting uh, that, for me. Yeah. And so and so and I can always defend myself, you know, and being like, hey, financially. I can go hunting for four years to match the trip, the, this one trip that we went on. Okay. Now this is where, Hey, if, if I go to Alaska, I'm going to be spending five, six, seven, you know, depending on how much this, this flight costs from, you know, once we get there into the back country, which you said is the most expensive, then we're talking an, a, a big trip now that's just for me that's compared to a family trip now. Yeah. And so I, I know my wife would be like, oh, that's not fair, right? Like, like why, like how can you justify spending? Even though this is a dream of mine and even though it is a, uh, it's a once in a lifetime deal, I yep. would say for the most part. I can't afford to go to Alaska every year, but it's something that, for me, it's gonna it's gonna mean something. It's gonna mean something when I go. Yeah. All right. How many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope? Trying to untie it. It's all knotted up, and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you. But those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or a lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you could fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or I don't know if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120-foot canister, a 70-foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC 
for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. Yeah, I I was walking through that with my wife because she's like, you know, how much is this going to cost all in? And I was crunching numbers and I'm like, you know, I, I think we can do it for under five. And she's like, okay. And she's like, I know you've always wanted to do it. I know you've talked about this every single year, like maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe in two years. And the fact that you might actually do it, like you're planning it out, you're trying to figure out the logistics of it. She's like, if, if you want to do it, you can do it, but we do need to talk about price and how much it's going to cost. And so I started going through everything. I mean, I'm looking at how much is a pack raft for a day rental? How much is a boat to get up there? How much are the flights to get to the back country? Or if we have a charter that takes us up the river, drops us off, and then we float pack rafts out. And I'm going through all of this, and I really couldn't come up with a cheap solution to get to the back country. It's way cheaper to take a boat up there than it is to fly. And so I started talking to a couple different people that I know, uh, one of them being my buddy Sean in Colorado, my brother Josh, uh, a friend Tom from Wisconsin. And in three calls, I had three connections with people who actually live in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shoot, man, this might be more doable. And yeah. from what I've found so far, two of them may even have their pilot's license and a bush plane. And so I'm like, that changes the game big time because I'm looking at all of these numbers. So I'm I'm just going to go through a few numbers with you quick. A non-resident moose license, 800 bucks. Non-resident caribou license, 650. The annual hunting license, 160 bucks. Current trip from KC to Fairbanks, $329. If we go the beginning of September which all of these seasons run either through September or like to the next June or from August until December. So like basically everything will be open in September. And I was expecting the flight to be closer to a thousand, right? I've done it. I've done two trips, both times they were between 800 and a thousand dollars. But then with the Alaska air credit card, you put a thousand dollars on the credit card and you get a buy one, it's called a companion ticket. You get a free flight. It has to match your itinerary. But you get a free flight when you buy a ticket. And so I'm like, that $329 just got cut in half for two people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, okay, all of this combined, two two tags in your pocket, the hunting license, the trip to, to Fairbanks, $1,939. And I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm doing this trip for well under five. 
And then I started looking at flights to the backcountry. And right. most people call it an unguided hunt, right? They just drop you off in game-rich environment. They come back, pick you up with your load. And looking at those, $5,500 to $12,000 is what people are charging for an unguided. Once I saw those numbers, I was like, all right, this is going to – I I just – I can't bring myself to pay that kind of money for a two hour flight. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. when I started looking at all these other options. I find out that my brother's wife, her, her whole company that she works for is based out of Fairbanks, Alaska. Mm -hmm. Her boss hunts almost every one of her coworkers hunts. She works remotely and they fly her up there once a year for business meetings and stuff like that. But she was like, Hey, uh, there's this one guy that I work with and he's got his pilot's license in a bush plane. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to my buddy, Sean, he said, Hey, I know a guy who does a fishing charter up there. And it might be the type of thing that you could, you could just get dropped off in the boat. You know, that's going to be way cheaper than plane fuel. You're going to be able to haul a lot more in a 20 foot John boat than you will in a two person bush plane. And yeah. so once I started looking at that, I'm like, okay, from now until the season starts, I've got to secure a way to get upriver somewhere so that we can either get picked up on the river or float back down to Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. And so that's the point I'm at right now. I, I talked to my buddy Sean, and I mean, in my mind, I look at these big ticket items, and I'm like, there's going to be a bunch of other stuff. Well, he brought up, uh, how are we getting the meat back? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep, I've, I've done it before on Kodiak. And the nice thing is Alaska, it's such a high fishing and hunting destination that they make it very easy for you to bring extra bags back and you can pack your meat, put it in a styrofoam cooler that perfectly fits in a cardboard box. It all gets taped up. I mean, it's frozen solid. And on the, on the Alaska air website, it's $30 for your first check bag, 40 for your second and then 150 for every additional bag after that. So I'm thinking, we shoot a caribou, a couple hundred pounds of meat, you know, that might be six boxes that we have to check. But at $70 between the first two and then 150 for the third, two people do that or four people do that or however many people go on this trip, really you're looking at a couple hundred bucks to get your meat back. Yeah. So... I've been I've been just kind of bouncing around looking at a ton of different stuff and like I said, pack raft rentals and dry suits and uh uh bear fencing and all of this stuff. And I realistically think if we find a connection, if I can make a connection with somebody in that area that can transport us to the backcountry, we're looking at three thousand dollars to do a hunt. Man. If I hate to say it, but I've, I'm skeptical at that number. And that's yeah. just me knowing what other people have paid to go to Alaska. Um, and I understand that's, that's with, that's with a connection, yeah. right? Let's say these connections don't pan out. Now we're looking more at 10 grand. Like if, if we have to, if we have to have a, if we have to get a bush plane 
and, and the, the cheapest dollar amount that you mentioned was $5,500. Yeah. And I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I'm just trying, because in a scenario like this, for me, it's very important to know worst case scenario. For sure. How much, how much money am I going to have to spend worst case scenario? And that is what I will budget for. Yeah. Because I can't go, oh, oh and this trip's going to cost three grand. And then we get there and it's like, well, it's a thousand for this. It's a thousand for this. It's a thousand for this. Now it's six grand. Oh, we forgot about this and this and this or, you know, rules or whatever, you know, or holy shit, I, I just shot a moose and I shot a caribou. And now <laughs> I have, I have a thousand pounds to ship back to, to back, Iowa. Yeah. You know, that, that right there is going to be a ton of money. Yep. Yeah. And I was thinking about that same thing, like, okay, worst case scenario. And so I started diving into other things like just renting a boat, not getting chartered up right. the river or coming back. And I'm seeing rates for like actually renting the whole boat and taking it out. I found a boat. I'm actually on the page right now. It was 585 a day. It's a 21 foot aluminum runabout. And so it's got the windshield, it's got the canopy that goes over the top. So 585 a day. Multiply that out by 10 days, 8 days that we're actually using the boat or have it on the river somewhere. You know, that's $6,000. Well, divided by 4 people, you're looking at 5500 or 1500 bucks. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's way cheaper than the smallest $5,500 price point that I've found. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, you add that to our, our totals so far. And yeah, we're looking at like 3,400 bucks, right? Yeah. But that's if you, if everybody gets two licenses, a moose and a caribou. Mm-hmm. And I already know for, for a couple people that I've talked to, some of them are like, there's no way I could do it this year. But if I did, I'd just get a caribou tag or maybe I'd just come along and, and film like just being in Alaska would be awesome. And so walking through it, I'm looking at this saying, you know, I'm definitely not doing it on my own. I don't feel comfortable in that kind of country by myself, but I think it would be great to have like four guys. I think that would be like almost a perfect number. Everybody Mm -hmm. has one tag at least in their pocket. We're in a game rich environment. I mean, I'd be, if I went to Alaska and paid this money and I walked away with a wolf, that would be the trip of a lifetime for me. Obviously, my number one's moose, like above everything else. So I look at it and I go, if we have four guys, we're for sure going to be able to keep it under $5,000, even just renting a boat from somebody. It's an expensive purchase, you know, $6,000 to have a boat for 10 days seems Mm -hmm. like a ton of money. You can buy a $6,000 John boat here, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's like, if we have that opportunity and we're under five grand for the, some people's one and only trip they'll ever do to Alaska or the bucket list hunt they've always wanted to do for me, that's worth it. And I can't speak for, for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. I do have a couple uh, friends or well, people that I've know, I know who live in Alaska as well. And I'm going to, I'm motivated now to at least reach out to them. And so I didn't, I don't know what is, what is your research showed you about 
where in Alaska to go for moose. And, and so if you have those two tags, you need to go to an area that has moose and caribou. Yep. And so if let's just say, let's just say everybody on our trip only wanted caribou. Yeah. Just hypothetically here. Would we, would that then mean we have to go to a different area where there's a higher success rate of running into caribou, not necessarily moose? So I, from what I understand, the farther north you get and the closer to the Brooks range you get, the more caribou you're going to encounter. So I'm looking at like Fairbanks, unit 20 kind of encompasses Fairbanks. It's not right in the center, but pretty close. There's unit 20A through 20F. And each, each unit and subunit within might have different restrictions. Moose is very regulated as far as what's legal and what's not. So certain units, certain subunits, you have to have three points on one side or four points on the other side, whereas other units, it essentially just needs to be an antlered bull and you're good to go. And so that's going to be a big factor in, you know, if, if everybody's like, man, moose is it, like that's what I'm going there for. I don't really care about another species. I want to know that like I'm going to have an encounter with a 40 inch, 50 inch wide moose. Okay, well, now we really got to hone in on that, figure out where there are antler restrictions, because if there's an antler restriction from what studies show, you know, the age class is going to increase. You're going to find more of those big game or those trophy moose, if you will. And so in looking at it, it looks like the center, basically between Fairbanks and Fort Yukon, there's like a strip that I feel like would be the perfect place to go for both moose, caribou, wolves, bear, wolverine. And we're going to see things that, you know, we've never seen. And I think we're going to have encounters to where everybody gets a shot opportunity at something. It might not all be a caribou. It might not all be a moose. But if I had to take one for the team and say, I'm going to shoot a $50 wolf on my $650 (laughs) caribou tag, I would do that if it means we all walk away with something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the other dilemma from a financial standpoint, I do not own hunting land. Yeah. Right. And so every year, every month, hunting, hunting acres get more expensive, especially in Iowa where I want to buy by ground in my, in my County right now, recreational gra- uh, ground goes for $12,000 an acre. <laughs> what would you do to go back 10 years, Dan? Uh, I mean, it's crazy. It was funny. I, I was looking at when my great grandpa bought all of the land that he handed down to his sons, three sons. And so I believe back in man, the late 1800s, he bought some of that ground for like late 1800s, really early uh, 1900s. He bought Primo farm ground in Iowa for like a hundred dollars an acre. Right. And now that's worth like 14. Okay. And so anyway, even in my home County where I, where I spent most of my youth growing up and graduated high school, you're looking at $6,600 an acre. Yeah. And, and 
Now I have to debate, what do I want to do? Do I want to take money and help with a down payment? Or do I want to take that money and, and do an Alaska trip? Right. Yeah. And so, and so I, I've always wanted my own hunting property. I also want that Iowa land or landowners tag. You can get, I can get a second, you know, I can get a second buck tag for archery every year. And so that means a lot. That means a lot to me. That means less travel for, you know, other whitetail hunting when I can just stay here in Iowa. For sure. And so, um, dude, I would love, I would love, 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 love to, to have my own land. And I would love, 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 love to go to Alaska and get the opportunity. So really for me, it's just this internal debate of what I want to do. Do I want to own land more or do I want to go to Alaska more Yeah. at this point in my life? Once I get land, then I can say, okay, I, I have this secured. Now I can start thinking about uh, Alaska or vice versa. Right? Once I've done my Alaska trip, then I got to save up more money to get the down payment, which eventually is going to go up. Yeah, because land prices always go up, uh, and so it's—I uh, don't know—it's just something I I I I weigh in my head every every week. Dude, the land thing is such—I mean, for me, I've always wanted land, right? And yeah. I finally got land, and the only reason we purchased this chunk is because we were intending on building on it. Yeah. Now my wife has settled on buying a house instead of building on that property. And so I'm like, shoot, man, like $2,000 a month in, in payments is a lot of money. I could do, if I had $24,000 to put on hunting leases, I could have some killer spots every year. And so once I weighed that out in my mind, I was like, yeah, we'll sell it. Like we'll get rid of the property. Although I've had two bucks on it that one of them was probably 140, 150. This is, I've only had it since last January. And then I had another buck that's a 160 inch 10 point, like just a perfect, perfect buck. And I'm thinking, man, 25 acres. And I haven't done anything to it. You know, that's just how it came and the deer were there. And, but thinking about that, I'm like, what is, I mean, I don't know what, leases go for in Iowa, but weighing that out, I'm going, dude, I don't want to pay $2,000 a month for the next 15 years on a property when that same amount of money could last me my lifetime in hunting leases. Exactly. All right. If you're not using Tacticam's reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the Reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt. And not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card, and I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting, whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout.
All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall, and some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their turkey hunter vest, and I take the cold world stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. Yeah, you know, I got a guy out there who's like, he's he's more of a fan of leasing ground than he is owning land. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, man. Well, it's something I think about quite a bit. The biggest issue with leasing is you always run into the, what if they sell it? You know, mm-hmm. then you lose it. You put 10 years into into either work on the property or getting to know it, patterning the deer, and then it's gone. Um, yeah. So I went and talked with this guy, Tom, from Bluff Country Outfitters up in Wisconsin. It's in Buffalo yep. County, Wisconsin. This guy had thousands of acres that he leased. Well, mm-hmm. lately, people have been coming in and buying up 400-acre tracts of the land that he's leased for 15, 20 years. Yeah. And so he's just losing it left and right because he doesn't own it. But he has one of the most well-known outfitters in one of the best counties in the country, and he's mm-hmm. having a hard time holding onto the land that he's had agreements yeah. with for decades. And yeah. so and that's a that's a risk. Yeah. That's a risk that outfitters have to accept. It's like they are paying someone to hunt that property or bring other hunters on the property and uh and and not own the land. So their entire business plan is based off of whether or not somebody is going to eventually sell that property and then they keep losing parts of it and then they have to find other things to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I mean, it's tough to weigh all of that out all in thinking about a trip to Alaska. Right. But let me ask you this. Neither of us consider ourselves old guys, but obviously we each every year probably have more and more health things going on, or your knee might be a little bit more sore after a hike. Mm -hmm. What are your chances of doing this hunt? How much do they go down every year that you wait to do it? You know, I'll be completely honest with you. I feel like I'm in pretty good shape Yeah. right now. I mean, if I, if you told me, let's just say I said yes today to Alaska and we were leaving in September, uh, that's, that's enough time for me to really get my cardio in check and, and get myself in some really, really good shape. Right. Yeah. Now I have a really bad knee right now. And I'm what two Mondays ago, or actually it was last two Thursdays ago, I actually got two injections in each knee, one injection in each knee. Right. Yeah. I got a shoulder issue. And so I feel like all, but those things are manageable. Yeah. Now, if for some 
reason in the next five years, I actually do need to get her knee replacement, then that's going to be pretty much a year of me not, not going because I have to rehab that leg and I'll probably just be hunting in Iowa. But I feel like there's several years left if I take care of myself, you know, and I don't like, uh, like, I'll be honest, I I've quit drinking uh, so far this year. I mean, yeah. it's been, it's been over, it's been shit since New Year's Eve was the last time I had a, a drop of alcohol and my joints feel absolutely amazing <laughs> right now. My body, just from taking alcohol out of my life, I feel, I feel so much better, flexible, like more loose and stuff like that. Um, and I feel if I take care of myself, you know, I, my window is still pretty, I would say 10 years, Yeah, 10, 10, 10 years to get the to get it done. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same boat joint issues. I've been way more healthy this year. Like I lost, mm -hmm. when was it? 2022. I lost 37 pounds in six yeah. months. I mean, I just hit it hard. I, I cut out all sugar, like all extra sugar went to straight water all the time. I had one cheat meal a week and I dropped weight yeah. quick. And then mm -hmm. I put all of that weight back on. And I, this year I was like, dude, I felt great. Like sitting around 180 pounds, maybe 185, yeah. just, it feels good to me. I don't want to be yeah. less than that. I feel like I don't have energy. My body's just like withering away. But yeah. at 185 pounds, I'm like, okay, I can, I can cut down. My joints felt better. I had energy. I felt like I could run a marathon, although that doesn't yeah. sound appealing to me at all. I will never do that. It's so stupid. <laughs> right. um, but in looking at the future, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe if I do this in three years, I really plan it out. In three years, I just save up a little bit more money, do it the right way. It's going to be more expensive. But I look at prices and how much they're going up every single year. Everything. And I'm like, every, I'm just chasing that. Life. Like the amount yeah. of money that I would spend then, it's the same amount that I would spend now with inflation. You know, like mm -hmm. right now, $5,000 on a hunt might be the same thing 10 years from now as $10,000 on a hunt. Where it's oh, like, yeah. dude, best case scenario, we're walking out of there with a moose for 10K a piece. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but now I know I'm not going to get in 10 years, I'm not going to be in way better shape than I am now. Like I feel right. pretty good right now. And even if I take care of myself age, I mean, the years just have a way of wearing you down. And so that's where Father I told time my wife, is undefeated. Yeah. I told, I told my wife this year, I said, it's this year or next year, 100%. And one thing that we haven't talked about at all, I, I contacted a good buddy of mine said, Hey, would you be in for Alaska? He said, dude, probably not. Well, yeah. he's, he's with one of the companies that I partner with. And he mm -hmm. said, well, we're, he talked to his boss. He said, Hey, we're releasing something next year and we're going to need promo stuff. He said, we're in for 2025 for Alaska. Okay. And I'm like, yeah. sweet. <laughs> so then I went back to my wife and I said, Hey, check this out. If I go to Alaska this year, and they pay for my Alaska trip next year. That's a buy one, get one free. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. she just started laughing. And I'm like, no, I'm completely serious. I'll go up there with a buddy or a couple buddies this year. I'll figure it out. 
a little bit. You know, I'm not going to conquer Alaska right. in a year, but I'm going to go right. up there and check it out. And then hopefully next year, more people can be more successful up there because of one trip that I did. So right. we're, right. I, I mean, I'm all in, man. I am all in. Uh, now it's just a matter of figuring out who's coming with me. And yeah. I told my wife, the only way I'm not doing it this year is if I can't find at least one other person. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man, I'll, I'll be honest. I wish I could just say yes to, to these types of things. But if I was single, I'd probably be, <laughs> if I, I'd probably be living in Alaska. Have right? you had that conversation with your wife? <laughs> like, hey, what would, what would you do if something happened to me? Because my wife has asked me that multiple times. And I said, yeah, well, I told her, I said, there's a huge difference between if something happens to you or if something happens to you and the kids. Yeah, exactly. you know, I was like, if none of you were in my life, I'd be in Alaska right now. Nobody that yeah. I currently care about would ever see me again. I would be in the <laughs> back country running trap lines, shooting moose, you know, like I would Alaska. Be... What's that show? Uh, survive. It's not surviving Alaska yeah. or something like that, where you're just in this. It's like that. Uh, um, into the wild. Exactly. Movie where the, the guy finds the bus. I'm going to find a bus and live in it. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. man. I'll tell you what, that would be awesome. But, uh, that's not, that's not my life. Right. I, yeah. I, every once in a while I'll buy a Powerball ticket and I'll daydream <laughs> about what will happen if I win the Powerball. And, uh, but it, it never comes true. And, uh, um, yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, I, I wish, I wish something like, I don't wish that something would happen to my wife. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like, it would be so cool to just have the ability, but that's what I, here's what I'm going to say though. Right now there's, there's several people listening to this who are, maybe they're young with no wife, no kids. Maybe they are like us. Maybe they're older and their kids are out of the house and, and they're, they're just at home with their wife. There's always an opportunity to do something like this. Yep. But my message is to the, the younger guy, maybe 18 to 25. It, maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have a girlfriend. Go do this right now. I wasted 11 years of my life just partying. From the time I was 20 to the time I was met my wife. Yeah. And all I did, all I did was party. And I spent, I spent $5,000 a year in booze easily. Right. And so I look back at that. I go, dude, 10 years ago or 15, 20 years ago, I could have definitely done an Alaska hunt for $5,000. Yeah. And so I think it would be to, to that person, do it now. Get the memories now while you're young, while you don't have any responsibilities. Hell, move up there and then take advantage of the non-resident uh, or the resident tags. Dude, Alaska residents, I believe they can they have the ability to get 54 different tags every single year. Right. Yep. Some of those I think you may need an outfitter like some of the sheep or mountain goat hunt type deals. But. You can, and then there's another thing, like if your brother lives up there or your, your family members live up there, 
there's a whole thing that you can do if your family lives up there. If you have family, it's it's not necessarily a non-resident tag and it's not, uh, but they, you can go hunt with them and you don't need an outfitter. Yeah. Okay. And so take advantage of that while you can. Uh, I mean, imagine being able to go, okay, what animal do I want to hunt? Do I want to hunt a bear today? Do I want to hunt a caribou, a moose, a wolf, a mountain goat, a doll sheep, right? Whatever other I want to go. I'm just going to take a, a week trip to Kodiak and I'm going to go hunt bear or sick a deer. Like you can do, do it, do it now. Yeah. Like do it right now. If you're, if you have no responsibilities, right? There's live in a van. If you're 20 years old, live in a van, work a job for you know, a year, year and a half, save that money, go to Alaska, quit your job, go to Alaska, do your hunt and then come back. Yeah. Right. And you can always come back and you can start from scratch, but man, I don't regret too much in my life because it has put me to where I'm at today. But I always look back and I say, what if, Yeah. right? Like what if I didn't drink so much or party so hard when I I was in my twenties? in thirties, early thirties. Hey, you know what? Maybe I would have all these other memories instead of having no memories of, <laughs> of what I did. You know what I mean? So yeah. Make memories that you're actually going to remember. That's a, exactly. Exactly. That should be on a bumper sticker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think like I looked at, uh, my buddy, the first time we went to Kodiak Island, he was in the coast guard. And mm-hmm. for those that don't know the largest coast guard base in the country is on Kodiak Island. And okay. he went up there. We did a tour of the facility and we walked down this hall and it's unbelievable. Like just the, the mentality in Alaska, what people are into. It's like everybody is outside all the time. And in the Coast Guard base, we're going through the, the helicopter hangar and we're walking down this hall and it looks like it looks like a local gas station with all the trophy animals, like actual pictures printed off, tacked up on a tack board. And you just walk down and you're looking at doll sheep and giant salmon and brown bear and moose and caribou and all these different things that people from the base go out and hunt because you have time off still. It's not like you're stuck there all the time. And a lot of those guys end up getting their pilot's license, buying a bush plane for $40,000 and just going and doing these hunts by themselves yeah. or with their spouse or with a couple buddies. And they even had a packing room there. They had a pressure sealer. So like the big vacuum sealer, but it's the one that like fills the pressure and releases it all at the same time. I mean, they were set up. I'm like, if I was single, I would join the, co- if I was single and 18 years old, I would join the coast guard and put in, that Alaska is my number one or Kodiak Island is my number one station that I want anytime I had to move. And people love it up there. It's a Kodiak's a crazy place. I would say we just go to Kodiak and hunt, but they don't have caribou. They don't have moose. They don't have elk. Basically your big game options end up being black bear. Well, they don't even have many black bear there. It's really brown bear and, and black tailed deer. So, well, dude, I think, I mean, I think we continue this conversation. I'm going to let you know what I find out. I've got three different guys making calls to close friends of theirs in that Mm -hmm. area. 
and I'm going to find out what that final leg of transportation looks like, what it's going to cost, and then crunch a bunch of numbers and say, best case scenario, worst case scenario, this is how much we're going to be able to do an Alaska trip yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, that information is going to be very important to me. And then also when this is like, realistically, when would I need to say yes or no buy? So the closer we get, the higher uh, prices are going to get for planes or for the trip mm -hmm. up there, right? I really think by the end of May, I would like to know who's coming on this trip. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a couple months away that still gives us, you know, four months to, to do all the final plans. But mm -hmm. I think if I've, if I've got one other person locked down, we're going to, I'm going to buy plane tickets tickets by the end of May. Yeah. And are you uh, thinking this is going to be a archery trip or a rifle trip? So I am going to bring my rifle, I think, for this one, because mm -hmm. the way I see it, if I if I can figure out a way to do this for a reasonable price this year, I might have two more of these trips in me before I die or before I'm too yeah. old to make it happen again. And so right. I told myself I'm going to do it this year with a rifle. And then if it works out where I go up with this, this company next year, I'm going to bring my bow, but yeah. trying to, trying to navigate Alaska with a bow for the first hunt, I feel like would be very tricky. If I went back to Sitka for blacktail, I'd bring my bow. I, I mean, I was within 30 yards of deer all day long on, mm. on Kodiak, but with moose having, I guess I've been part of a moose hunt one time with caribou. I'm like, this is all stuff that's going to be new to me. And if I'm going up there, I want my best, best chance of success. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I, but I also don't think it would be a bad idea. Say we had four guys and two of them brought bows and two of them brought rifles. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden we realized, dude, we're in a, a herd of caribou. They're migrating through right now. We could get up on one of these with a bow. Yeah. Like if we, if we had the opportunity for either one, to me, it would make sense to, to have both on hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, at least this is a good starting point. I feel like once we get closer to the deadline of it by the end of May, maybe we, we touch base on another podcast and go over where, where we stand or, uh, what what our thoughts is if if you know we're going to pull the trigger on this and uh yeah man i tell you what just talking with you today has got me fired up yeah. about this and so i i would i will say i feel like this conversation has moved the needle a little bit good so <laughs> i'm glad will, it didn't go the yeah. other way yeah i know <laughs> dan no you know after talking with I you i really to... <laughs> don't want to go to alaska <laughs> I, after talking with you, I don't like you. And so I am not going to Alaska with you. So uh, that's funny, man. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch and I appreciate you hopping on. And, uh, yep. yeah, I think, I think once we know, or once we have a trip secured, we're gonna, we're gonna chat again and, uh, yep. and kind of lay out what our trip's going to look like and what our expectations are. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely.